0: You are listening to Graybar Canada's 2020 Connected Podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the first episode of Graybar Canada's 2020 Connected Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Williamson, Manager of Marketing and Digital Business here at Graybar Canada. I just want to really quickly say thanks to you, the listener, for not only joining me in today's show, uh, but also joining us as we venture down the path of digital transformation together here at Graybar Canada. So obviously, this is an internal podcast that's meant for the employees and stakeholders of our company, uh, but by all means, feel free to share this episode to friends or colleagues that you think um, would also be able to benefit by listening to the show as well as potentially future episodes um, of the podcast. So, um, so what is this? Well, the 2020 Connected Podcast is a touchpoint um, that really connects our team here at Graybar Head Office uh, with everyone in the company. So, our goal of the show is to uh, keep our company informed with leaders in the industry and what they're doing to really kind of help spur innovation and create winning cultures in their enterprise. Um, so, we've got a lot of cool stuff happening in the marketing department right now. Uh, we want to open the veil a little bit and, and show um, show the company what are some of those things that we're developing and and the people that we're talking to along the way. So uh, without any further ado, our first episode here focuses on a great conversation that we had with Todd Hart, who is the director of iLab at uh, Graybar USA. So iLab is this amazing uh, think tank that exists at the University of Illinois campus, uh, beautiful complex that's housed right between, you know, John Deere, Yahoo, uh, Dow Chemical, a whole bunch of other leading-edge companies that are all on the same premise. So I had the chance to visit uh, Todd and his team. Uh, back in August, and we've been working together for a few months regarding Graybar Canada's e-commerce initiatives and uh, some best practices moving forward. So, uh, but I'll let talk Todd, uh, Todd talk about that in a little bit more detail during the show. So sit back. If you're at the office, you know maybe grab a cup of coffee from the kitchen, or if you're listening in the car, uh, you know pay attention to the road first. <laughs> but by all means, enjoy our conversation um, recorded here today, and feel free to reach out to me with any questions um, or follow-up in inquiries um, that we may result from. Our discussion here with Todd. So, enjoy, Todd. Thank you so much for coming you on bet. the show today.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here.
0: We've uh, we've been talking for four, three, four hours so far today, and to end it ended on a podcast, maybe we should have put this at the beginning of the show. <laughs> May have been better. I
1: don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I really appreciate uh, your time. I wanted to run through a couple things that uh, we've worked on together. Sure. Um, We've been, uh, I guess we've been partnering on a couple different things since they came aboard back in April. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have been able to build some incredible momentum down here since uh, last May when mm-hmm. you kind of officially opened the doors. Uh, so I'd love to talk to you about uh, some of the stuff we've worked on and looking at some e-commerce things, um, how you guys have been able to, to start to build a culture of innovation here at bar Electric. And. And really, how uh, I think we could work together to to uh, find some synergies across the border, which yeah. would be awesome. Ter- that sounds great. Tariff free, of course. <laughs> well, we'll see. You got to watch out for those tariffs <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we can negotiate it at some <laughs> point in time. So, uh, I think a great starting point though is just maybe a little a uh, little discussion about yourself and uh, and kind of how the inception came to be here at uh, at ILab.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, so as as you mentioned, uh, I'm Todd Hart, and I have been with. Graybar for about a year and a half, and all of it has been spent here in Champaign-Urbana, like you mentioned, at the Innovation Lab. Um, gosh, how I, I guess how I came to Graybar and the Innovation Lab was I had spent um, about a decade ago, I had spent about three and a half years in this same type of environment here in Research Park for a small insurance company called State Farm very small <laughs> a small Midwestern insurance companies yeah. exactly and so I was part of their um, team that stood up their operation called a research and development center and so I had experience here in Research Park and with the University of Illinois and I think gray perhaps talked with the research Park administration and said hey we're planning on starting an operation do you know of anybody And um, so yeah, so that's kind of how we started some conversations. And uh, long story short, I um, started in February of last year. And we, like you said, started our operation, our first uh, class here at the Innovation Lab on May 1st. Uh, That was our grand opening. And it's been kind of a whirlwind since, so it's exciting.
0: You have an unbelievable space here. I mean, even just when you walk into it, there's such a, a breath of fresh air. You can feel, you know, um, like you're on the leading edge of something here. Yeah. Um, have you been able to, to feel that with some of the projects that you've been working on since since last spring?
1: Yeah, we have. And, and I'll tell you, I was able to get in kind of on the tail end of the design itself. Most of it had been put together, um, but we did... We did develop the space to be very collaborative. Uh, it has kind of an openness to it. it. We call it kind of a loft feel, um, and I think you know I think the the interns, the graduate and undergraduate students, I think they appreciate the look and the feel of the space. Like you said, it's um, it's sort of cutting edge. It has you know some. Some unique colors and and you know f- f- fabrics and and technology and things like that that maybe you and I wouldn't necessarily view as as something that would be appealing, mm-hmm. but this generation really enjoys this type of environment and I do think that it's it's helped with um, the collaborative nature. Um, you know what I find kind of interesting is I've seen people both at my current employer and my previous employer. I see people come from corporate. Uh, and they step into this type of environment. It's almost like they have permission to think a little differently. right. and i and I haven't fully figured out why that's the case, mm. um, whether it's, the funky colors or the space itself or being around kind of this millennial generation but it it is it's quite interesting to watch that happen
0: absolutely so. and, and when we first walked in here uh both north and south of the border we certainly have branches that feel like they could be stuck <laughs> back in the uh in the red chair <laughs> right? brown curtain yeah. uh, phase of the late 80s or maybe even late 70s uh, but it's nice to see that there is an investment in obviously where we're going and that can be into the tangible space here at Innovation Lab, but also into the projects that you guys have been working on as right. well. Um, just quickly give me a brief overview of some of the stuff that you have been working on um, since uh, since last spring.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, it's it's been an evolution. I mean, I, I, I think early on we, you know, we focused on some very kind of open-ended types of questions. Um, one of the projects that we worked on in the very first semester, the summer of 2017, was focused on um, warehouse automation, so looking at technologies that could help streamline our warehouse operations. And as you know, I mean, the vast majority of our warehouses in the U.S. are considered, you know, paper-based, so they're SAP warehouses, they don't have a WMS on the back end, and so... Warehouse management system. Exactly, yeah, yeah. so, you know, we looked at, um, specifically, one of the teams looked at the receiving process, and um, the receiving process can be, uh, can you know, it, it, it's very um, laborious. It's step-based. And so um, we found that the individual who was, you know, receiving packages would spend a lot of time moving back and forth from the dock to the workstation to the dock to the workstation. And so they actually developed, um, and, and keep in mind this was 12 weeks, they developed a, a mobile app that would allow the, the, the dock worker to actually check in. Um, shipments, you know, on the mobile app and not necessarily have to go back to the terminal itself. So um, that was just an example of a project that was sort of focused on more of the efficiency aspects of our warehouse. Mm -hmm. We had another project that was focused on auto replenishment of product. So whether you're on a job site or maybe it's a, a, a vendor managed type of environment where someone is replenishing a stock room, we, we were working on a technology that would allow for auto replenishment. So we looked at a weighting technology called a load cell. And I don't know all the specifics about you know, load cell technology, but basically the gist is once the weight in a bin, a product bin got below a certain level, the bin itself would automatically talk to kind of a a raspberry pi which is a small computer and it would automatically reorder and so it would just show up at the customer location so we haven't we haven't perfected that technology but we feel like there's something there and we see the same thing with with amazon for instance working with manufacturers and embedding sensors in products Uh, for instance we saw a use case where amazon was working with brita water filter systems where, you know, once the filter had about 10% capacity left, um, that Brita filter had a sensor and it would talk with AWS, Amazon Web Services, and, and automatically replenish it. So it would just show up on your doorstep. Wow. And we think, we think that there's something there. So
0: You guys, um, you guys are, are right at the bleeding edge for a lot of mm-hmm. things. And um, have you found that uh, the adoption um, from people, from the stuff that you've been working on. Is, is there a disconnect because this is out there mm-hmm. in some instances? Have you found that it's been tough to take the stuff that you're working on and actually bring it into fruition?
1: You know, I, I, think that, I think that by and large people recognize the need for innovation. I think they recognize that for Graybar to continue to grow and be a leader in the space we absolutely have to be, you know, uh, innovating across the organization, and so, um, so I, I think the um, the mentality is there. I think the the want and the desire is there. The challenge that we have organizationally that we've seen is, you know, it's hard when we have a very operational type of company. How do you take this new idea, and how do you get, you know, how do you get enough traction that that you can then bring it back into the organization and who supports it and, you know, and, and who owns it and, and who watches it sort of grow and, and, and mature. And, and so that's the challenge that, that we have faced. And I'll tell you, it's, it's not specific to Graybar. Mm. Um, I saw it happen again, you know, a previous employer, I think, I think every company is challenged with how do you, how do you ingest new ideas, in in kind of the core of the company and do it in a way that you can be successful,
0: absolutely. And we've spent time uh, before we talk about our dynamic a little bit here. I mean, we've certainly spent time uh, discussing how to do that in various ways. And one of the big ways is by problem solving. Mm-hmm. You know, not leading with technology, but saying, "Hey, listen, here's a problem that we're facing either within our own enterprise or or the way that we interact with customers, or even just specifically what the customer problem is." Right. And then using technology as a way of being able to to bridge the gap and 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 make that collaboration that much stronger. Um, does that help? Does, does leading with a problem really help uh, embed that innovation and get people thinking, hey, there's a better way of being able to do this? Yeah,
1: it does. And and I know you, you've heard me say this, and I probably sound a bit like a broken record. But you know, I think the best, um, the, the companies that are most successful with innovation, I think they start with the pain points. I think they understand the customer journey. I think they know it inside and out. And I think they recognize that you know, if there are three pain points in the buying process, for instance, maybe it's the digital process, um, how do we solve for those pain points? How do we leverage technology and innovation to solve for those particular issues that customers are having? The flip side of that is uh, a technology may be in search of a problem. Uh, for instance, we hear a lot about blockchain. Um... Everybody has a different take on on this technology called blockchain. We feel like there could be a strong use case for it. Um, we haven't found it yet, but mm-hmm. we continue to explore. And so that's kind of a, a technology in search of a problem versus, um, again, identifying the, the pain points and then solving for those. So I think there's room for both. Mm. Um, I think the technology in search of tends to be more of the transformational types of um, Products, you know, mm. that a company could could really move into, whereas the other tends to be a little more core or adjacent. Absolutely. Well, so. we,
0: we certainly have our fair share of problems, both uh, <laughs> both north and south. But uh, we, uh, I think, the beginning of our relationship started with some of the things that uh, we were looking at moving forward uh, with Bar Canada. Obviously, mm-hmm. digital transformation is front of our minds. Uh, we have a vision of where we want to be in a few years time, and I think it was um a very big first step for us to start communicating about how we could work together uh given our strengths in the marketplace and and for a lot of people within Graybar Canada um you know whom we haven't had a chance or I haven't had a chance to meet yet one of the things that we discussed right out of the gates was you know we don't have any baggage we don't have any you know really cemented um you know, e-commerce platforms or anything like that, we could work with you to, to take some of the ideas that uh, you guys are developing down in the States yeah. and make it work right out of the gates and learn very, very quickly from that. Right. Um, and I think that's been one of the nice things when we're talking about leading with innovation and then actually bringing it in operationally is having a partner that could can do it, mm-hmm. that can go and get it done. And yeah. uh, I'm excited um, to have that chance and that relationship with you guys, uh, with where we need to go at Graybar Canada. So mm-hmm. that's that, I guess, started off our discussion and then it very quickly went to e-commerce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you
1: brought us, you know, not only did you bring us, um, you know, a bit of a challenge, right, that, that, that Graybar Canada was faced with, but I think you brought us a vision. I think you brought us a strategy. And so I think both of those are important components when you're thinking about Mm. innovation Mm. and, and disruption.
0: Well, it's been a fantastic start, to say the least, and I really appreciate the invitation to come down and, and join you guys here. Um, we've been working on a few different things. I know mm-hmm. we started last spring with kind of a you know an industry analysis of of what uh, some of our competitors are doing. Um, this spring, we uh, focused pr- a little bit more on our own e-commerce details, and we're, we're still flushing that out now to see where we're going with it. Right. Um, in your opinion, though, with the way Graybar Canada is structured and, and from our weekly calls and our weekly, um, you know, just... Discussions with your team. Yeah. Where do you think we really position ourselves well, um, either compared to competitors or even compared to what you have down here in the states with Graybar mm-hmm. Electric? Do you see some strengths with where we can go with
1: it? Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, I think you're clearly you're a strong player in the Canadian market, and I, I think that I think that the strength of Graybar Canada is in its relationships with its customers, and so I think customers um, clearly recognize that that Gray Bar Canada is a strategic partner for them. And, you know, kind of to our conversation earlier today, um, w- you know, you're willing to to kind of bend over backwards to help solve problems and, and resolve issues and things like that and really be a partner uh to to those customers. And I think that's I think that's a strategic advantage. I think that's a sustainable strategic advantage for mm. you know, for the organization. Um but then I think there are some, you know, there are some weaknesses and those are the those are part of what you brought, I think, to the innovation lab.
0: Mm. Well, we're certainly working our, our way through it. Um, and, and being able to trade resources, I think, is a is a huge first step. I, re- yeah. I really appreciate what you mentioned about our strength, which is that value-added service. Uh, we can, I mean, we don't have to go very far to see um How quickly people are changing their current procurement processes whether that 's b to c or that 's b to b they 're moving very, very fast to take the you know the low hanging fruit you can just ask Alexa to do it for you or you can just you know two clicks and out it 's those really complex sales. Um, you know, whether that is smart campus, whether that's, you know, intelligent buildings or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is, we have to really start adding, adding value into the relationship so that people, um, not only trust us with our knowledge, that they feel smarter, that Mm -hmm. they feel invested with us. And at the end of the day, we can give them a very quick, um, turn a relatively complex product into a very simple process. For them um yeah. do you think that's tough to do with e-commerce which is <laughs> yeah, put a product into a cart is lo- right you know? yeah
1: well i think i think it i think it can be uh challenging and and again i th- i think it's a balance so yeah. you know as you know you know gray bar has gray bar canada or gray bar us uh they have what, what we call low consideration mm. types of types of purchases um you know things that are more commodity based um wing nuts you know Clearly, things that people use often, and then I think I think we have high consideration types of purchases, and these are the ones that involve more you know more of a consultative type of relationship. And I and I think we've got to find a way to present both those mm-hmm. in, in meaningful in meaningful ways. And and one way to do that, at least the low consideration aspects, is through a strong e-commerce channel, and that could be a browser experience, it could be a mobile experience. Um, I think that depends on you know the comfort level of the customer. And so I I think, you know, omnichannel is is kind of cliche. You hear a lot about omnichannel experiences, but I think I think Gray Bar, both Canada and US, have been um, you know, I think I think we've been focused a little more on on the off channel um or the off digital maybe than we have uh online. And I think we're we're very quickly recognizing that we have to do both really well.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and do, do both very well sometimes in the same transaction. Yeah, could uh, be. You know, this is one of the things we were chatting about earlier where you know, we, it, I don't think we can really expect people to take a very complex purchase and do it all you know, online transaction, but they can certainly do their homework. They can certainly Mm -hmm. check stock levels. They can check pricing. Um, they can check locations, they can do whatever they want, but they still expect that when they call somebody on the other side, that that person's going to be just up to speed as Mm -hmm. they were when they were on the computer dealing with it. So, um, we certainly have a lot of room to grow in this department. Um, we have a lot to grow with our customers. We also have a lot to grow with our vendors because our vendors now are very much, you know, thinking about their own digital transformations as well as how that's going to work with your distributor partners. Um, Have you had many interactions with vendors? I know you're working very closely with a lot of the employees and projects Mm -hmm.
1: in the States from the innovation side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, you know, I think we have, we have had some, I don't know that I would say we've had a lot of interaction. Mm. We've had a chance to visit a a couple of strong, you know, strategic um, vendor Partnerships, uh, Panduit is one. Of course, they're just a couple of hours north of us, and um, and and they they have some interesting ideas that we were able to kind of talk with them about. Um, one was a technology called SSCC18, which is a a barcode technology. It's been around for a little while, and they they ship all of their product using this type of technology. And so when we receive packages and product from Panduit, it comes with this this barcode technology. But we just don't leverage it our system today doesn't uh isn't equipped um but that was a project that we took on this last summer was looking at that technology and from an efficiency perspective what that would mean to gray bar if we, if we if we could basically scan a palletized barcode and it would you know bring in all that product information into our system and we just put it away mm. you know so mm-hmm. it's a very slick uh streamlined process um We had another instance uh, where we hosted here at the innovation lab in Champaign, we hosted an IOT summit. So an internet of things summit, and we invited Schneider um, as well as Panduit to that because they're both kind of on their own journeys from an IOT perspective. So I, I think that there are ways that we can leverage the innovation lab. Um, Clearly there's, there are vendors who would, I think like to co-create with us. Um, I, I think, to some degree. And keep in mind, I've only been in supply chain for, you know, a year and a half. So a pretty short period of time. We're still weak on our acronyms. At this <laughs> That's level. right. So, but I, but I do think, I mean, based on what I know, I feel like in some ways, the, the manufacturer supplier um, distributor relationship is going to change to mm-hmm. some degree. I think, I think it's going to be more about information around the customer and, and being able to find, you know, meaningful ways to capture that information and bring it back to the supplier, mm. um, I just think you're going to see that relationship um, deepen right. to some degree.
0: And, and we own an, an onus of responsibility to do that as their distributive partner, to be able to mm-hmm. capture some of the customer data, whether that's with sales data, whether that's with promotional data, right. uh, whether that's with uh, product feedback from mm-hmm. our customers. Um, I feel like we're in a position where if the vendor uh, has... And a certain amount of availability, they should be able to spend that availability on creating the absolute best product humanly possible. Right. Leave the distribution with us. Right. Right. That's why we started this the way that we did. It's funny how the systems have changed and technology has changed, but really, we own. A position of being able to bring them an incredible amount of data, just the same way that we're able to bring it in with the with the company. Right. Um, are you seeing that now when it comes to data and data collection? I mean, the amount of of available information now, even as it was two, three, five years ago, mm-hmm. is you know astronomical. How how are you guys dealing with data and data collection at, yeah, at this stage?
1: I do. I mean, I think um, first of all, I'll say we you know we have a uh, a well established data discovery team Mm -hmm. down in st louis um i I think that they have matured very quickly in a short period of time and so um i think part of their mission was to really um escalate the um the importance of Mm -hmm. of data and understanding data and analytics across our organization um i would consider us maybe a very small outpost for data and analytics we work um pretty closely with that team we have kind of a go-between that helps um, but what I will say is this this idea, this, this um, pervasiveness of data and analytics, we see it on the campus. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, a graduate student in industrial engineering or you're, of course, part of the statistics program or, um, you know, you're in the business school. Everybody has a focus, mm. um, a concentration on data and analytics. And I think it's very telling of the industry, right. you know, whether you're in B two C or you're a B two B type of company, um, and and these these students, graduate and undergraduate students, they want to get their hands dirty, yeah. you know. So they almost feel like they've been, um, y- you know, um, slighted slightly if we if we don't have a project that's somewhat focused <laughs> on data and analytics.
0: Well, it's just so core. It's no different than millennials having technology at the core and thinking, you know, that anything available is available at your fingertips, mobilely. Right now. Right. right. The, 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 uh, the technology is obviously something that we've spent a lot of time talking about the other side of it too. And I got a couple of more things here before we let you go or before I take out my sleeping bag and stay in the corner of the, uh, the room here, but, uh, is the cultural, you know, adoption of that technology right. as well. Um, you know, there's this, there's this dichotomy of innovation versus complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to promote a message of innovation, which is, honestly, I think a little bit tougher in our case, where both Graybar US and Graybar Canada are doing very, very well, you know, this, this year mm-hmm. um, and within past years. So it's, it's tough to, to uh, fix something that ain't broke in a lot of different ways. How do you address that? How do you address the complacency, uh, faced within a, a profitable and growing business with the need to always stay innovative?
1: Yeah, I, I think it is a bit of a, like you said, a dichotomy. I, I think the best time, um, to really kind of jumpstart the innovation engine is from a position of strength, you know? So, um, Some companies, their hand is forced because for, you know, perhaps there was a disruptive technology that entered their marketplace or um, maybe it was a startup. Maybe it was a company that, um, you know, had a technology or developed, you know, some type of algorithm or technology that completely disrupted. So that's a situation where they have to innovate because if they don't um, they, they could be, you know, they, they could be, um, they could die on the vine. Mm, mm, um, hmm. but we're in a position of strength. And so I think it's, you know, it's important for us to develop kind of this ongoing culture of innovation, whether we're in good times or bad times, right. um, that it's just embedded into, you know, kind of the, the fabric of the organization. So mm. I don't think there's a, a time necessarily that you, uh, that you tap the brakes, but right. I think it's, but I think it's, It's important, you know, it's all about the culture and creating that environment. And then it just kind of happens organically. And it just keeps going. Exactly.
0: You know what? We were given a manager's presentation a couple of weeks back and one of the guys said, Hey, listen, the best way I can think of the, about this or, um, you know, make an analogy to it is somebody getting back in shape. You know, there isn't a spot on the horizon where you say, yep, that's it. I'm fit. Right. You know, once you get mm-hmm. into the mindset and once you start cleaning up your diet and you go to the gym a little bit more and you, mm-hmm. and you have health as being a core principle of your life, you know, then every day you do something, but it, you, you, you you always keep on that path, and you and you have a little bit of a journey approach yeah. versus a destination approach. Yeah, you, you
1: hear about companies that th- they essentially disrupt themselves, right? Mm. They they continue to innovate in ways that that some companies would look at that as cannibalizing their business. <laughs> they view it as kind of disrupting themselves, which prevents obviously someone else from coming in and right. disrupting them. Right. So now that you know that that takes a lot of time yeah. and it's an evolution, but um, you, you you know you've got to. You've got to kind of rev up the engines to...
0: Well, we got a ways to go before we get there, I guess. (laughs) Um, One other thing I wanted to mention or talk to you about was uh, there was a great piece in uh, last year's Outlook. Um, about, uh, you know, about why I lab is here and where it's going. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about a, a, a culture that obviously celebrates success, but, you know, is willing to embrace failure as well and, and have quick and e- efficient change as a result mm-hmm. of that of that failure. I wanted to talk about that because um, obviously where we're going with Graybar Canada, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be a lot of energy and there's going to be a lot of excitement. There's going to be some things that don't work as mm-hmm. well. How do you deal with failure and look at it as a positive when it comes to, something like this where it, it is a costly decision to get involved and, and you know, there's a, a time element and also a, a financial component of failure.
1: Yeah. It's um, you know, I, I think you've heard the term a calculated risk. And I, I think that's a lot of healthy innovation is, you know, you, you don't want to try and innovate something that's, that's going to, you know, take, take the house down. Um, but I think it goes back to that culture and having a culture of, trying different things, stepping in different directions that you might not, you know, leaning into uh, different ways of thinking. Um, And and I think, you know, it's almost cliche at this point, but this notion of of failing fast, Mm. um, you know, as, as the phrase, um, as the phrase, you know, states, it's, it's okay. Mm. As long as, like I said, you're not bringing the house down Mm. and you're learning from your mistakes, you know? So, um, you know, I think we've probably both been in organizations that there's a, a tremendous risk aversion because of something that perhaps has happened in the past. You took a risk, it didn't work out. Um, and, and there was, you know, some level of, uh, penalty or whatever it might be. Hmm. And I think we've got a, we've got to help kind of breed a culture where risk taking is okay. Again, as, as long as it's a calculated risk, and um and we're learning from you know from those mistakes
0: and you know what even just in hearing you say that makes makes me think back to what we're chatting about over lunchtime, of uh where uh when we've chatted with customers in canada you know every one of them that we've talked to said yeah you've done a great job with pricing and availability and service but it's when this it's when it goes sideways Mm -hmm. that you've been able to help you know get me through it um where we don't want to anticipate failure. <laughs> we certainly don't want to drive transactions to lead towards failure, mm-hmm. but it almost gives us our best foot forward of when the stuff does go sideways that we could fix it mm-hmm. and learn from it. And then that customer comes back. And, you know, as you mentioned, there's so many research reports out there that show that strong customer relationships may not always start on the on the best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. They start from fixing issues and, and going from there. Yeah,
1: and I think, you know, I think if you think about some of the, the best technology companies, the Googles of the world, the Facebooks, they they try things in a way that um, it might not be perfect when we launch or when they launch a product or a service, but they learn as you know as they sort of proceed, right? Mm-hmm. So they're getting customer feedback. They're using A/B testing. They're doing some unique things where they're they're actually nuancing that product, you know, almost almost during launch mm-hmm. or as it launches, and and that's you know that's a that's a little more tricky, but. I think you know that's part of that fail fast and learn as you go kind of mentality.
0: Absolutely. So. Well, now that I feel okay that we can fail, I can end the podcast on that. And <laughs> there you be go. Okay, to go forward from there. Yeah. You've created something fantastic with your teams here. I really appreciate the, uh, like I said, the invitation to join you here today, as well as the collaboration on some projects that we've had moving forward. I can see, uh, I can see uh, many more of them certainly coming down the uh, down the pipeline. Um, your energy as it, as it regards to uh, the future of the business is Certainly palpable, and I think that's where a lot of our uh, our positive vibes are really starting off on a great foot. So it's exciting. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you joining us on the show here today, and uh, and listen, um, if you're uh, if you still want to have that tariff free relationship, we have to <laughs> trade you some maple syrup bottles for some uh, <laughs> some e commerce strategy. There you go. Forward or yeah. Something.
1: No, I appreciate the partnership. It's been great. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Todd. You bet. Appreciate it.